Do you feel sometimes that you're too small to bring out true innovation? Imagine being a superintendent of a school district that is less than two square miles in its total area. I'm your host, George Nagel, and today we get to talk with an administrator that is doing just that. Let's get started. As a veteran of nearly 30 years in the public education system, Dr. Carolyn Johns has seen it all having been a teacher, a principal, and now superintendent. With all of that experience, people would think that she'd be pretty set in her ways of doing things, but not Dr. Johns. She is all about innovating, especially when it brings out the best for her staff and her students. Not many people would think the place to do true innovation would be a small school district, let alone one so small that they actually don't have a bus system. In less than seven years at Northgate School District in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Dr. Johns has partnered with Harvard on two different fronts. She has also incorporated a research lab for mental health within the high school partnered with Carnegie Mellon University. How about the fact that Northgate is the first full school district to be on the Chill Project, a project that has a waiting list for even one building to be on, let alone the whole district. The school district is also one of about 165 schools in the entirety of the U.S. that is part of the League of Innovative Schools. However, it is even more impressive when you realize that Northgate, because of the efforts of Dr. Johns and her staff, are one of 20 in the entire country to be a lighthouse district that is specifically modeled after for transforming education. All of these different aspects bring an advantage to Northgate District so that the students are in a class of themselves with 0.001% of the rest of the population. I know this from having spent an entire day presenting and working with the staff and the students on how impactful Dr. Johns is in transforming Northgate into a leader in education. Carolyn, it's always fantastic to see you. And I want to say thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. <laughs> well, let's jump right into it. So I want you to tell me the story of Northgate School District and why it is such a prime location for innovation within education. Certainly. So um, I'm going into my eighth year here in the Northgate School District, and um, I'm going to start back to when I arrived in Northgate. Mm -hmm. It was um, the district was experiencing quite a bit of distress when I started here. So my first few months here, I reached out to faculty and staff. I invited them to come in, have one-on-one -on -one conversations so I could get um, to learn a little bit about the district. And what I kept hearing from people was that Northgate had previously been a hidden gem. And that was the word I kept hearing, hidden, or the phrase I kept hearing, hidden gem. Unfortunately, at the time when I started here, there was, um, they were, they were having issues with significant low staff morale. And it was to the point where families felt it, the students felt it. And um, I'm sure it will not come as a surprise, but when an organization's experiencing that, um, it impacts multiple areas. And in our case, we were having significant issues with academic achievement. And I think um, to go back a little bit into history to understand what was going on in the district and some of the roots of um, where this came from, Pittsburgh, where we sit right on the north side of Pittsburgh. And if you know anything about this region, it had been a big steel town. <laughs> and as we all know, the industry collapsed in the 1980s. Well, during the steel industry's heyday, 
um, the North Gate, which is made up of the communities of Bellevue and Avalon, was a very solid, stable, blue-collar um, community. And once the collapse of the steel industry happened, it certainly impact the, impacted the economy of this community and the demographics began to shift. And you got to a place where we had most of our students, majority of our students coming from economically disadvantaged backgrounds. So it became a more challenging population. These students come in with significantly more needs um, than what we see in students who are not coming from that background. Now, while I say the district was in distress, um, and, and that's never a great thing, the good thing about it is a district that's not in a place where they want to be, it's a lot easier to bring change <laughs> to the district. <laughs> so if you think about a district that feels like they've figured out the formula for success, you don't want to come in and be like, well, we're going to change things. <laughs> that usually does not um, get received well. Um, the other piece of it, too, I would say why we're such a prime location for innovation, as I mentioned, we border Pittsburgh which gives us um, access to many resources. And I think this region's really special in the education sphere. Um, we have a lot of support from our local foundations, especially the Grable Foundation, which has provided significant support to a number of districts in this area, including supporting our participation in AASA's Learning 2025. Um, AASA is the National Superintendents Association. And Learning 2025 was a commissioned report looking at when you know, as we were coming out of the pandemic and so many changes had happened in education, they were looking at um, how do we take those changes and not just go back to the way things were once things settled down after the pandemic, but really looking at, you know, we've learned a lot and had to change a lot in education, change faster than we ever had. And so it was looking at what are those lessons we've learned and how do we take those lessons and move them forward and really transform how we do education. Um, so we are part of Learning 2025, and that um, connects us in the region, the superintendents and the school districts gives us an opportunity to collaborate. We also have an opportunity to attend national conferences, hear what's going on nationally. Uh, and, and that's really just been a great experience for us. The other thing is Pittsburgh has become a hub for the make maker movement in education. And for your listeners who may not be familiar with that, um, maker education or the maker movement is really looking at giving students the opportunity to do problem-based, project-based um, type activities where they there's not just that correct answer. It's not an A, B, C, D option, but rather they're trying to figure out some sort of real-world problem, and it's just very open-ended, and they, they have to persevere. They have to um, develop those problem solvings, work together, be creative, and um, that is something that has really gained steam in this region and has been wonderful for our students. What is one piece of advice that you would give to anybody that is looking to bring some type of innovation, regardless of the industry, it doesn't necessarily be within education, you know, what would you say to them as a way to start to introduce innovation to their culture? I think there's a couple things. Um, okay. The first one is say yes a lot. <laughs> So when I first came to Northgate, um, knowing the situation that was going on here, 
um, I, I knew I really needed to kind of bring the, the temperature down. So one of my favorite leadership books is called Leadership on the Line, Staying Alive Through the Dangers of Leading. And in that, they talk about the temperature of an organization. So if the temperature, if there's a lot of stress going on, um, a lot of dysfunction, you think about it, it's, it's boiling. If you think about an organization that is really not moving forward, it's pretty cold. And you want to get to that kind of middle ground where there's a little bit of heat, but it's not to a point where people become ineffective. And when I started at Northgate, we were boiling. And so I needed to bring that temperature down. So I, I didn't come in with any big initiatives or we're going to do this. I really wanted to let the organization settle, but I also wanted to see what ideas started to bubble up from the staff and the faculty once they had some space to do that. So I always joked in the first two years, people would come to me with these ideas and I'd be like, yes, 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 let's do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, so I think that's the first piece of it. And you know, the second piece is you have to create the culture and the environment that's going to support that, which means it needs to be a safe space. And I think that part of that is having very explicit conversations about what you mean. So if a leader comes in and says, well, we need more innovation. Well, I, you know, the innovation is going to mean 50 different things to 50 <laughs> different people. And, you know, how are they going to know if they're, you know, most people think of innovation as a process of trying things and failing. Well, most people don't go to work and think, yeah, I really want to fail today and take that to uh -huh. my boss. <laughs> so I think there has to be conversations around what do you mean when you talk about a culture of innovation? And the person who is, you know, the leaders in that organization need to say, you are allowed to fail. You are allowed to mess up. And, you know, there are not going to be negative repercussions and you've got to create that space for that to happen. As a, as a leader, did you ever take the opportunity to stand up and say, hey, I tried this. It failed. Here's what I learned from it to kind of help set that example. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just I can't think of one specific example because there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I often reference my first few years as a superintendent. But yeah, I think that as um, leaders, you know, it goes back to the book, Good to Great. You've got to be a level five leader. You have to be willing to be humble and to say, hey, yeah, I, I messed this up. And and that's OK. Like it, that is going to happen. I mean, if we're in a situation where the expectation is that you're always going to do everything right, when people mess up, they're going to hide that and they're going to be stressed. And the thing is, especially in education, our kids are watching us. You know, we're mm -hmm. telling our kids, you know, you need to be creative. You need to try things. We call it failing forward. You need to fail forward. Well, if we're not living that as adults, I can tell you right now, kids will see through that in a heartbeat. <laughs> so do you find that that methodology, now that you're heading in your into your eighth year, has allowed your staff, maybe more importantly, your students and their, and their parents to really be more open to innovation? Yeah, I, I think there's um, two parts to that. I mean, first of all, the answer would be yes. And I'll, I'll use one example. Um, we are part of Parents as Allies. And this is a regional um, movement where we're looking at how do we engage parents. 
And I know, you know, I have a son who's a senior in high school. And my understanding when he was little was an engaged parent was the person who signed up to be the homeroom mom and brought cookies in or homeroom dad or, you know, whatever. And you brought your cookies, dropped them off. And and that was it. You went to a couple of things. Well, parents as allies is really looking, you know, again, I come back to the pandemic. We had to do things differently. We had to engage parents differently. And again, we didn't want to lose those lessons. And so I have a principal right now who's just run with this. And he has a group of parents that he has trained in our makerspace. Mm -hmm. And so they are actually learning to be instructional coaches and come in and work alongside our students on these maker type projects. And what's amazing is they have different backgrounds and different skill sets that they're bringing into it. Now, I will tell you, there have been times where we've had to say things like, no, you can't bring that wire out to the light pole that's outside. The electric company prohibits that. (laughs) Um, But we love the thinking. (laughs) But they, you know, that is a place where those parents have taken off with it and, and are just having a great time. And it's built up a lot of momentum. And it's making them partners with our teachers. You know, so they're coming in and working alongside them as an instructional coach. So that has been um, really exciting to see. I, I think the part to balance it, though, like I said, you know, my first years, I was like, yes, 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 yes. But I think that there does come a point where you do start to need to define who you are as an organization and the direction that you're moving towards. And we were hitting that point probably about my third, fourth year here, where we were really ready to start doing a strategic planning process. That had not been done in the district for quite a while. And, you know, we were getting to the point where I could see where the main areas of focus were going to be, where those areas had bubbled up. Um, We had the pandemic, so we did delay because I felt that to do a strategic, a good strategic plan, um, we needed to be in person and be able to spend time together Uh, using human-centered design to develop that, which, you know, you can do it online, but it loses, I I think, some of it, some of its specialness when you're in an online environment. So as soon as we came back from the pandemic and people were feeling comfortable um, sharing spaces with each other, we did that process and we created a strategic plan um, that we, our board of directors approved last year. And one of my things was we are going to it's going to be a living plan. It's not going to be, oh, look, there's our strategic plan. And now it's doing a great you know, job decorating the shelf. So we do live by that. We have core values that we identified in there. And what I love the most is, you know, when we were working on a new vision, you know, our previous vision was kind of one of those long visions <laughs> that nobody really knows what it is unless you go to the website. <laughs> and I said, I really want a vision that we know. Like anybody can say, we know what it is. And what we came up with is students first and foremost. And I I think that really um, describes and captures what this district is all about. It's interesting that you made the concerted effort to almost summarize the strategy with the focal point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to anybody with an education, they're always going to say, well, it's all about the students. Is it? Is it really? Usually it's not. It's usually about all of the things surrounding the students 
but when is it really about the students? And if you can drive your culture to a single point of view that everybody knows, that is how you sustain a strategy to a living point and allow for innovation to come in a creative manner to, to bounce off of that. When you start to look at establishing a foundation within the school district, how much of a role did the establishment of mental health come into that? Uh, well, I think since the pandemic, it, it's become critical. Uh, you know, I when you look at the statistics, and I, I've learned a little bit more about this as we've implemented the Chill Project. We've done some presentations, and our folks who are the healthcare providers have shared some statistics that were pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic. And and I. I have to be honest in saying I was not completely aware of those pre-pandemic statistics in terms of the rates of depression mm. and anxiety and suicide that were occurring in our adolescents. And, you know, it was it was um, striking and incredibly concerning. Then you had the pandemic and those numbers just skyrocketed. And it is you can't ignore that and think you're going to move forward in other areas, whether it be academics, innovation, any of it. You just can't. Mental health, especially coming out of a pandemic, is the foundation um, for everything we do at this point. Having spent some time there, uh, I can attest to that. The students freely talk about it and want more. Um, mm -hmm. and that, uh, sometimes can be the challenge of, of when you stumble upon, not stumble, when you actively engage upon something that is great, how people would like more of it. If you were to give some advice to other entities that are, are a bit smaller, that have budget restraints, considerable budget restraints, um, which I'm kind of an advocate of as being a good thing because it really brings out that creativity, but what is the one thing that you would say to them on how to actually move forward with innovating, regardless of what their surrounding budgets or circumstances or sizes are? Well, our district is a small district. We are not an affluent district. Um, we run a very tight budget. So, you know, we've had to think way out of the box <laughs> what we're doing because we don't have extra funding for extra programming. What we've done, though, and I, I think this is um, a model that can be replicated, you know, there are foundations, there are organizations that want to support school all over the country. One of the things that we ran into as a district is most foundations want to, um, they want to fund a program. And usually what they'll tell you is we want you then to be able to sustain that. And I had a very direct conversation with one of our local foundations, and I said, you know, that's very nice, <laughs> but the problem is you need people, you know, and I, I brought it up as an equity issue because I said, you know, that more affluent districts have the people in place to do innovative things and innovative programming. And I said, small schools or poorer schools don't lack for innovative ideas. But when each person's doing five different jobs, they don't have time to devote 
to implementing a new innovative program. It's just not possible and it's not reasonable to think they're going to do it. And so I really um, pushed on the idea that the foundations not fund any kind of personnel. And so what happened then, we put a grant in for a director of partnerships and equity. And we were able to get that funded. It's a halftime position. And we got a person who I'd worked with previously. He was an art teacher in my building, very creative, very talented. And um, he had developed programming there for students after school. It was a need that they had for middle school students who, you know, go into the local town and wreak havoc after school <laughs> in the way that only middle school students can do. He started an <laughs> art program. Very successful, and has since then developed partnerships with um, area universities and businesses. And so I brought him in, and essentially, what he has done with his position is his main mission is he looks for partnerships to bring in opportunities for our stu students, like bring in different programming. For example, um, we have after school robotics, we have an after school greenhouse program. But he does it with no at no cost to the district. So he looks for places that will partner with us, provide that programming um, that already have their funding and are able to come in and do that. And that is the kind of way I think you have to start to think is how do you leverage those community resources in such a way that your students are going to benefit? That is certainly out of the box thinking. Um... I actually would call it some breakthrough thinking. So where do you where do you find your inspiration? What inspires you to to have these breakthrough thought patterns? Again, you know, you you have such a long career at this point where most people would be really settled into the ways. Where are you finding your inspiration to continue through breakthrough thinking? I hire great people <laughs> who are great thinkers. <laughs> you know, I whenever I'm looking at hiring, especially into one of the um, administrative positions. So somebody coming on the leadership team, I always look for, one of the things I look for is, am I going to get better at my job? Cause I worked with this person Ooh. and I want really great people who push me, help me be better. So I can't, I can't take ownership of these great things because it's been a team of people. And what we do is um, we've all been trained through the Luma Institute, which focuses on human-centered design. And we use those protocols um, when we're meeting to kind of brainstorm ideas and really, you know, get out of that linear thinking. Because I, I do think one thing I have learned in education is, and I, I was guilty of this, as educators, we and this is certainly a generalization, it's not everybody, but um, what I found is when somebody brings an idea, what we would tend to do is say, well, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough, you know, fill in the blank. And what I think the human-centered design approach really helps you do is think, what is it that if we, if resources weren't an issue, we had everything we needed, what would that look like? And then you start to work from there. Well, what can we do in that? And it really just starts to open up your thinking. You know, it's it's exactly, I think, aligned to the approach that you take. Yes, and. <laughs> you know, it, it gets you out of those constraints. And, you know, you don't end up necessarily with that original idea, but you end up somewhere better than where you were. Yeah, with with a bunch of people who are inspired and want to do it. 
Right. Yes, absolutely. It's fun. <laughs> and it's fun, right? Like, I, like it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Before we close out, what is the best way for people to reach out to you and to maybe even be involved and help support Northgate? I'd love to hear from anyone who's interested in hearing more about what we're doing or becoming involved. Um, best way to reach me is email. And my, my email is caroline.johns at northgatesd.net. Um, you can also find more information about our, our uh, district on our website, www.northgatesd.net. Excellent. Carolyn, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll make sure that everything is linked down below. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. 